Good morning, Jonathan Washburn. How are you today? I'm good, brother. Got a busy weekend coming up, but I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to join you on the podcast today to talk theology. It's always fun. Yes, sir. So today uh, it's a pretty exciting day. So we're going to be doing uh, Sabbath number two. So if you've missed Sabbath number one, go back and listen to the first podcast. Uh, on this so you can get caught up to speed. Uh, We'll do maybe a little bit of review. Um, John, uh, your brain is better than mine. Do you mind giving us a quick synopsis as to uh, highlights of what we pulled out of each other's kind of thoughts um, last time? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, last time you you briefly gave through kind of your um, your uh, understanding of um, why we ought to worship on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day. You, you base that in um, the order that we see in creation, uh, and then you base that in your understanding of uh, the Ten Commandments being a different type of law from the rest of the Mosaic Law um, and the Law of Christ. Um, and I think that those were, those were basically your two, your two main points in... Um, it, as far as here is why we should continue worshiping on the um, on the seventh day of the week because of the order that we see in creation and because um, Ten Commandments tells us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, I would I would disagree for a couple reasons, mainly because I do not um, I do not agree with the distinction that you make about the Ten Commandments. I view the Torah, the Mosaic Law, as one collective unit. And I believe that when Christ came and died and fulfilled that, he ushered into a new law, uh, he ushered Christians into a new law that we are bound by, uh, that we call the Law of Christ. Um, This is my understanding of how the Old and New Testaments work together. And there is quite a bit of overlap between the Mosaic Law and the Law of Christ because God is a perfect God, a just God, a loving God, and an unchanging God. So, of course, uh, things that were morally wrong for Old Testament Israelites oftentimes are still morally wrong for us today. However, since I am not an Old Testament Israelite, I am not bound by the Mosaic Law like um, Israel would have been in the Old Testament. So that's kind of like a summary of, um, of our positions, I think. Um, we didn't really get into some of my views about what I would say is, is the Lord's Day. You know, we kind of stopped short of doing that. But that's kind of the setup for today's continuing conversation. Sure. Excellent. So I would agree that there are uh, some holes left in both our discussions. I mean, this is not this is not an elevator speech. Both you and I have... Uh, taken careers that we, you know, certainly can talk about what we do for a living uh, in 30 seconds to a stranger on an elevator, keeping the Sabbath, not one of them. So uh, certainly I think that's why this might go into three parts. I'm not I'm not willing to rush it. I want to get everything out there exhausted um, because as we've spoke uh, before, there are hierarchies of what we feel are important things that Christians do. Um, you have kind of given your uh, definition or examples of each, you know, level, 
And uh, this actually is one of those things that I, I hold um, as a pretty as a pretty high one. One I would I would put this for for me I would put this at a top tier. Um, meaning uh, too as well that if I was not able to keep this, I personally would feel that I'm missing the entire mark. Does that make sense? Like I put this right up there with believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know that that kind of a of a solid doctrine top level top tier this one would be in mind so if 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 i was to not believe this i would it would be crushing my entire um thought process so 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 yeah i mean i have i have a lot of questions based off of that sure um uh you know which which we get i guess we can get into yeah i don't view it as that that level of an issue i definitely view it as a secondary issue sure with um so I would define secondary issues as issues that people at the same church probably need to agree upon in order there for there to be unity right. in the church. Right. Right. Um, I am a Calvinist uh, that espouses Reformed doctrine. I go to a church that believes in Reformed doctrine. Could I go to a church that was Arminian? Yes, depending on what they said. Um, could I go to some Arminian churches and, and feel like I could... Um, worship together in the state of unity? Probably not, right? So that would be an issue that I would say is a second level issue. Yeah, I think that this, you know, in my mind, this is definitely a second level issue. You yeah, we should be worshiping on on Saturday. You're not going to go to a church that worships on Sunday. That doesn't make any sense, right? Right. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I, I would probably place it in a slightly lower tier than you, and we can talk about um, our reasons why. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's. I'd, I'd like to explore that. first what you were saying, though, because you said that you you were not able to in the last episode uh, give that. So let's start there. Sure. Yeah. So I think what what I have found is um, a lot of Sunday worshipers. I guess that's what we will call people like myself that worship on Sunday. Sure. I have found that actually a lot of Sunday worship Sunday worshipers. Um, I think they have a bit of an inconsistency here. I think a lot of people that worship on Sundays believe that um, we are still supposed to keep the rules and ideas of the Sabbath day, but we just do it on Sunday now because that's what the early church did. That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's when uh, you know that's when the disciples worshipped. Um, so we should basically have a Sunday Sabbath. Is how a lot of a lot of um, I would say American Christians view this. I agree. Um, um, this doesn't really make much sense to me um, because, again, because of how I understand the New Testament Christians' relation to the Mosaic Law. As I said, I do not believe we are held by the Mosaic Law anymore. So that means that all 613 laws that were part of the Mosaic Law, you know, if you, if you talk to if you talk to an Old Testament Israelite. He would, have, he would not have said that the Ten Commandments was any more important than number 612. He would have held all 613 Mosaic laws of equal importance. And so I believe that we are no longer bound by these laws. As such, many of the laws <coughs> and restrictions that were placed on the Sabbath day were very important for Old Testament Israelites. They are not important for me anymore. Um, I view Sunday as the Lord's Day, and I will look at I, I will look to what the early church did and how they practiced to kind of you know you know looking in Scripture to see what they did 
to kind of guide my thinking on this. You know, many of the, most of the early church, especially the early church of Israel, they were Jews. They were still living in Israel. So if you were living in Jerusalem in 47 AD and you were a Christian, right, um, you would have worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You would have taken the Sabbath off because everyone in town was taking the Sabbath off. There was nothing for you to do that day. And then you'd go back to work on Sunday. And you'd work a pretty full day on Sunday just like everybody else would. And then after you worked your Sunday, you would go meet with your believers. You would go meet with your fellow believers. You would take the Lord's Supper. You would you would gather around uh, doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And they would worship the Lord on Sunday because this is when um, Jesus rose from the dead. And so you see there that they did not continue the Sabbath requirements that had been meant for them under the Old Testament law, they did not continue those forward into the New Testament. So in my opinion, this is what we ought to do. This is what we have the freedom to do. Sunday for me is not a Sabbath day. It is the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives me freedom to do some things that you know potentially other people that believe that it is still supposed to be a Sabbath day that's just spent on Sunday would not agree with. In my opinion, I think I told you this, the only two positions that really make sense to me are either the Sabbath is still meant for us, and if so, we ought to worship on Saturday and keep all the Sabbath laws, more or less what you do. Or, nope, the Sabbath is not the Lord's day. This is a new thing that we have, and as such, yes, we worship on Sunday, which is the Lord's day, which is after the model of the early church and scripture, but it is a new thing. It is a new thing entirely. Um, Sorry, I'm having to. Oh, my, my watch heard me. So, <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I view Sundays as for myself. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, just, you know, just seeing things a little differently. Um, I think I, I touched on this a little bit the, the last time, but there's only eight mentions of the first day of the week in Scripture. Um, and not one of them uh, is giving reference to that being a church service, um, from the way I understand it. Um, the breaking of bread is exactly like you said. They go to work Sunday, and then they broke bread. But then later in the ver- in the chapter, it says, as they did every day. So um, we actually have potluck after our service every week. Um, where because we're not going and buying food from other people, uh, we would make our lunch and we would we would eat it there. I think uh, the early church um, there's there's over seventy references just in Acts of them keeping Sabbath. Also, um, which I, I agree with, they okay. kept Sabbath because they were still living in Israel and they weren't just going to go out there and dishonor the Sabbath. But I do not believe that they worshipped. Uh, with believers on the Sabbath day. Well, it's pretty and, clear and, that they worshiped on Sunday. No, and the reason is because when you read it, it says Paul uh, preached and it said the Gentiles uh, said, can you, you know, can you preach these things to us next Sabbath? And so they actually held the same church service, but the next week Paul had the same message and it said the whole city came on that Sabbath. Do I need to look up the reference to, to make sure that this is a valid thing or, or do you recall that because you're super smart? I, I, I don't recall it, but I'm not going to 
assume that you are lying. Okay. So yeah. So the, so there's a, a very clear reference where it says uh, Paul preached these things, and the Gentiles came to hear them which people who are not Jewish, they came to hear them and they say, would you preach this to us next Sabbath, not tomorrow? Because if they were just going to keep Sunday, they would say, hey, can you just do it tomorrow? So, so that would be the argument, again, to, to keeping the Sabbath. Uh, the next thing is you brought up a certain date, which is, I think, 40 AD. Um, but if we look at what Jesus said um, when he was looking at... Um, uh, 70 AD, and you know when when Rome came and, and sacked the city, he said, "Pray that your flight be not in winter, or on the Sabbath." And he was saying that 70 years after he died, they would still. He's expecting them to keep the Sabbath, and he's saying, "Pray that your flight be not then." And I mean, you know, because Jesus could see in the future. It wasn't like he was, you know, always walking around like, "Hey, if I step in this thing, it's you know the, the ground's going to break." It's not like that. But but God definitely had. Um, insights and in, 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 in a foreknowledge of um, the future. And so he was, he was made that statement, pray that your flight not be on, in winter or on the Sabbath day. So if, 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 or on the Sabbath. So if, if that was something he expected them not to keep, he wouldn't have said that. Um, also, it's interesting, uh, Luke was the only Gentile uh, writer. And when you read about what, um, what he says in um, uh, talking about the, the women going and preparing the body, it says that they were keeping the Sabbath after the commandment. And he, if he was just a Gentile and just somebody who, who didn't give, um, you know, a care about what that is, or if he was uh, somebody who was, who was going to, to make any kind of mention of changing um, he, he would have he would have not given very much credence to the fact that they were doing this in observance of the Sabbath or in observance of the commandment. Sure, I mean, just remember though, you know, that's a very very you know, you know Jesus is still in the grave in their minds, right? Um, the, the resurrection has not occurred yet in their minds, so of course they're going to keep the Sabbath, right? But he um, taught them prior to. So, you, so all of those arguments, he didn't do anything after he rose that would change teachings from him before. Oh, I, I, I pretty strongly disagree. There's a lot. Jesus comes back and teaches his disciples many different things after his resurrection. I'm interested to hear them. You know, he, he, he meets them in the upper room, mm-hmm. teaches them what faith is, right? He meets them on, um, you know, he meets them... Uh, on on the beach one day when he when he admonishes Peter three times to feed my sheep, right? He um, he he talks to two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus for several hours, and Scripture said that he was teaching them things that they had no idea of. Right, but where did he um, start? He issues he issues a brand new great commission: go out and do this. Go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost. Um, there were a lot of things, you know, it's, it's, it's important to understand, um, just exactly what's going on here when, when Jesus comes and he's a teacher and the disciples believe that he's the Messiah and many, Jesus has many followers and they think he's the Messiah. Their conceptions of what a Messiah was going to do were very different than what Jesus was actually going to do. And there were actually a lot of other humans that um, existed around this time that also claimed to be the Messiah, right? 
um, they would come, they would say, hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to free you from Rome, and oftentimes people thought, this person's the Messiah, that person's the Messiah. Um, and N.C. Wright says, um, he has this great quote in his book, uh, The Resurrection of the Son of God, um, that when Jesus died, that meant to everybody that he was not the Messiah, because this had happened several times before. And what N.C. Wright says is, if you were a follower of somebody that you thought was a Messiah during this time, and this person died, then you either, number one, realize that he, uh, number one, changed what you thought about him, or number two, found a new Messiah, right? So when Jesus died, and he's in the ground for two, three days, um, his disciples were scared. Why were they hiding? Because they were wrong. They assumed he was not the Messiah. We thought he was going to come rescue us from Rome. He didn't do that. He died. Not only did he die, he got the worst possible death, a death that had a very specific curse on top of it, right? And so at this point, they're content to still be Jews, to still be Old Testament Jews. I guess Jesus wasn't the guy. I guess Jesus wasn't the Messiah. But when he rose, that changed everything. And over the next 40 days that he spends time visiting them, uh, what you see is that the early church, the disciples, do not implement a new, Ju- uh, a new Judaism, right? They don't do that. They radically change a lot of things. And this is why, you know, Paul in, in, in Colossians, right? This is why Paul tells the Colossians, he says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. He said, this is stuff we used to worry about. We don't do that anymore. We have been ushered into a new age, a law of Christ. Not the Mosaic law, a law of Christ. What this means, for instance, is that we have different standards on meat than we used to have. We have different standards on a lot of things. And so what I would argue is that the Sabbath day is one of those. And you see very quickly the early church is worshiping on Sundays. They are still observing the Sabbath day, for a time, especially early on, right after Christ has died, to respect the Jewish culture that they've come up with. But as we get further and further away, you see that it is nothing like that. Um, it's it's very it's very different. So um, w- basically, um, what what I would I would have to believe then is that Jesus is uh, almost at odds with. Um, Sabbath um, because he, it says there was nothing made that was made except for it was made by him and so I believe he was the creator I believe that he was the one who made the Sabbath it said that he made the day and he set it apart and, you, and it was set apart for holy use uh, again that, that was done prior to any fall prior to any Jew I do believe that, um, like 2,000 years before any Jew, um, I do also believe that um, it says in uh, Ezekiel, it says, the stranger that joins himself uh, to the Lord, also the sons of the stranger that, I'm sorry, this, also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of his covenant 
Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For uh, mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So that was in Isaiah 56, 6 through 7. So one might say, well, yeah, it says burnt offerings right there. But if you fast forward, Jesus says that when he's flipping the tables. My house was to be a a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. He never changed it. You and I would go to what we would call a house of prayer. You know, when we go to church. People are praying there. Like that that's that's a one of the biggest things that we're doing. We should be having our hearts bowed before before Christ that we're, you know, there to serve him. Um so even in the Old Testament, um you see that people who aren't Jewish, if they want to serve the Lord, what they do is they're supposed to keep Sabbath. They're supposed to keep from polluting it. And and again, my definition is only what is found in the, the Exodus. It's not all of the man-made part. It's it's not the the not walking. It's it's the thou shalt not work, neither your sons, your daughters, your manservants, your maidservants, or your cattle, your oxen, or the stranger within your gates. That's it. It's 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 an easy. It's a delight. It's supposed to be a delight, not something that is, um, something that is is overbearing. Um, I think I think we're gonna have a little difficulty too. Um, when we look at when we look at Jesus's definition of how to be saved, okay. So when you look at Matthew nineteen, uh, starting in verse sixteen, it says, "And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest me thou good? There is none good that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which one? And, he, and then he just starts listing all the Ten Commandments. And he says, uh, the young man says, I've kept all these from when I was a kid. What, what have I lacked? And Jesus said unto him, if you'll be perfect, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So the issue is, it's never been about what you do that gets you to heaven. It's always been about a faith and a works combined. And, and see, that's the issue, is even in the Old Testament, it's not just that they had to, to keep keep the commandments. Like, to, to go when you're an Israelite, and you know you sinned, you had to go and you had to find that perfect sheep. Go buy it, or or you have to have it. And then you go to the, 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 the high priest, and you have to tell him, you know, what you're doing. You're like leaning on this lamb, and then they slit its throat. And then you've got to go through all of that. But but the symbol there, Christ is the lamb. We no longer have to do that part of it. But but the Israelite still had to have the faith that there was a coming Messiah and that he needed to follow these steps on top of the, the Ten Commandments. But but those were what, what caused him to know what even was a wrong thing to do. You know, Paul, if you go to the New Testament, says, I wouldn't even know sin if it wasn't for the commandments. So there's not a difference between faith and works as there is in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's only who is our high priest, who is the lamb, who is who is our rest. But it's still not a um, a taking away. You know, it's, it's still not a taking away of the day because the day was made before there was even sin. And also um, it talks about fulfilling 
uh, that was one of the things Christ said that he, he was baptized. And you remember the verse says, to fulfill all righteousness? Well, that doesn't mean to do away with. And, and yet some people will use that, well, to fulfill the law means to do away with the law. Mm-mm. It just means once Adam sinned, it was impossible for a human being to live up to the Ten Commandments. Prior to that, we could do it. Okay? Prior to uh, man falling, everything was good. And you could keep Sabbath. Okay? After, and you could love the Lord with all your heart. You could uh, honor your mother and father. You could do all of the Ten Commandments before sin. You still had to rely on God, but it was possible. Once sin entered, no longer it was possible because then you were always under sin. You were always under um, the penalty, and, and that's just, we have to then put Christ on. We have to, we have to believe in Christ and do what he says. Um, I'll give you time to talk because I, I've talked a lot and I don't want to take up your... No, I mean, the, we touched on a lot there. I, I would go back to something, um, something you said that I would disagree with. Um, I actually do believe that Jesus is redefining the Sabbath while he is alive. Um, and I would look at the, the conversations that he has in Matthew 11 and 12 okay. as, as, as pretty clear indication of this. You know, at the end of Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, I'll give you rest. Right? Um, it's important to understand that Sabbath in Scripture can mean two things. It can mean a specific day, and it can also mean rest. Sure. Um, and... So he, he, he mentions this at the end of Matthew 11, and then we go right into Matthew 12, which is a very famous um, discussion that Jesus has with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. He and his disciples are out picking corn on the Sabbath day. Yeah. Right? This is something that definitely broke the Sabbath day laws that existed for Old Testament Jews. Yep. The Pharisees see it, verse 2, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was in hunger? And they said they were with him. How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And he is very clearly redefining the Sabbath to something that the Pharisees don't like. He has a different understanding of the Sabbath. And I think it's very important that this comes after Matthew 11, right? He says, come unto me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden, right? I will give you rest. And then we have this illustration. Well, what is he talking about? Well, the Jews had 613 laws that they were trying to keep as best as possible, right? I think it's very obvious that these people were weary and burdened by the weight of observing all of these different mandates that come along with the Sabbath day. And Jesus is actually redefining the Sabbath day for them. The people were in need of rest, and he was going to give them rest, but he was going to give them a new type of rest. And that's actually where I believe, um, you know, when we look at creation, when we look at the seven days, and God works for six and then rests for the seventh, I think that this the idea of Sabbath as rest is a very important transcendent 
principle through scripture. We see this near the end of the New Testament where, um, where, where we were told that when we become believers, we are ushered into a special Sabbath rest. And that's the entire purpose. That in the past, there were all these things that you had to do. It was really hard to keep up with them. And yes, it was still, uh, it, it was not a salvation of works in the Old Testament. It was a salvation of faith in a coming Messiah, but faith without works is dead, James 2. Just, it was always that way in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? So we see this tension of faith that is real is a faith that works, right? Um, but I see, when I, when I read through the New Testament, when I th- read through Jesus' teachings, on the Sabbath, and I, when I read through the apostles' teachings on the Sabbath, that we aren't held to days in Sabbaths anymore. That we have a new law that we are held to, and this law is one that actually can give us rest. I think Jesus is reminding in Matthew 12. I think he's reminding the people of God's actual intent for the Sabbath, which is unity with God, unity with creation, and unity with each other. That was first founded Eden in the very first chapter of the Bible, right? And he's teaching that the Sabbath is about mercy, that it's very purposeful, and that it's supposed to point to him, not all of these regulations that that were that were understood uh, in the Old Testament. Perfect. Okay, so my understanding of what you're saying is he came to define what he meant. I think he did that often, right? You know, you, you okay. remember the passage. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where the the antithesis, where he says, "You have heard yeah. this, but I say unto you, you have heard this, but I say unto you, you have heard this, but I say unto you." Yeah. Jesus very often would point to a part of the Mosaic Law, and what would he do? He would say, "Nope, it's not that anymore." It's a new law. It's a law of Christ. I don't know. See, my understanding is he never, he never said, "A black is now white." What I hear him saying is, "You've heard it said this, but here is what, um, here's the deeper meaning of it." Okay, there's a letter of the law, and then there's a spirit of the law. Okay, so he never said. Um, like I said, black and white. He never said, okay, well, you've heard it said uh, if you uh, commit adultery with a woman, um, it's sin, but now it's not. What he said was, it was, you've heard it said if you look at a woman to, uh, to lust after her, or if you, if you commit adultery, it's sin, but it, now I tell you if you've looked after her and lust with her, you've committed it already in your heart. So you and I can now apply that, and we can totally see before the action happens, the thought happens. Correct? Sure. Okay. So we've got the letter, don't do this, but Christ is saying, look, I'm looking in the heart, and, and this is what it this is. What it is. Um, because you said that you believe that he expounded on it, Jesus kept every single Sabbath, even in his death. I feel like that's one of the most proof positives that I have for, for my side of the argument is, even Christ died on Sabbath, rested, did not do any work. He didn't, like, go into hell and, like, fight the devil and, like, get the keys to hell. Like, that wasn't, that's all, like, false. He he rested. And then Sunday, he's back to work, just as in the cycle he teaches us to do. So he never, he never once, um, he never once made a change to a day. 
He also says, not one jot or tittle will pass from the law till heaven and earth pass away. Yet, you and I don't kill lambs anymore. So, to me, there has to be a difference because that law is gone, and yet we still believe we're going to heaven, and lots of us believe we're going to heaven. And even in uh, the Old Testament, those, those people couldn't make sacrifices because the temple veil was ripped. So, so we know that that has to be, something has to be different. And then the law, though, that's, that is what you would consider the moral, the moral law, that's something that it stands the test of time. And neither heaven nor earth will pass away. Not one jot or tittle will pass until heaven and earth has passed away. We're still, we haven't, heaven and earth have not passed away. So, so for that verse to have any meaning, I feel like that's the only way that you can decipher it is that there's a difference between the two laws and, and then, um, uh, going back to you, you were saying how, uh, Christ was coming. I feel like it would have to be a black and white difference. Um, if for, for Christ to change it, because it, it says, um, if you look in Exodus sixteen twenty eight, Moses said, eat that today for the day is a Sabbath unto the Lord. And a day that you shall not uh, find in the field. Six days shall you gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, it shall be none. And it shall come to pass that uh, some went out and other people on the Sabbath day for to gather. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? This was before Mount Sinai. This was before the law was given on a formal tablet. And that's that was my point in this is, Christ said it before um, that it was his commandments. Then he gives the quote unquote law that you would see. I talked about this in the first episode in Isaiah. It says that all flesh will come to worship Christ from one Sabbath to the next in heaven, in the new heaven. So in the future, like the very far future, we're going to have a Sabbath. We're going to have a day of rest. Um, so that I would, I would, I'm going to throw those out there from your last, from your last one. Yeah, I would disagree with that. That, that, that from one Sabbath to the next does not mean that we're going to have Sabbath days every seven days in heaven. That that's an ultimate Sabbath rest. You know, being a believer is a Sabbath according to the New Testament. That that's actually a state of rest that we are ushered into God's Sabbath rest, and obviously. Um, you know the, the the new Jerusalem and the new in the new millennial kingdom and you know finally heaven is going to be Sabbath rest. But wait, wait, you, that that can't make sense though, John, because it says Isaiah sixty six twenty three, and it shall come to pass from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So, so that is saying that there's a difference. One, I mean, when, when God comes back after the millennium and he makes the world anew, we're going to still have cycles. We're still going to have uh, weeks. And, and it says from one Sabbath to, the, to, to, a net, to another. So it can't be from one Jesus to another Jesus. Yeah, I'm not going to interpret that passage the same way you <laughs> well then what how does it how does it work then I, I just told you I want I want to talk about this idea because it's, it's something you said a couple times um so 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 for instance last week you read um you read someone and then you mentioned you, you made a statement you said I don't hold to the Sabbath this is all worthless who said that you, did. you said if, if if I don't 
if I don't worship on the Sabbath day, this is all worthless. I, I can just get rid of this. Um, I, get, I get what you're saying. So it seems like you've said a couple times, and I think this is really important for, for, for maybe us to understand and for maybe um, our, our listeners to understand. Um, I think there's a very important difference between um, disagreeing on an interpretation of a passage and rejecting the authority of a passage. Okay? Um, so, so, for instance, let's, let, let, let's take something um, that I think everyone will agree with. Okay? I believe from Scripture that it is a sin to get fall down drunk. Right? I think it's, it's pretty clear from the scripture that if, if you drink with the intent of getting drunk and losing your sobriety and then you become drunk, I do believe that this is dishonoring to God, right? Um, there are some people that will read scripture with this understanding and say, hey, you know what? Because of this, I'm not going to drink at all, right? There are other people that are going to read this with this understanding and say, hey, because of this, I'm going to make sure that I only ever drink a little bit. I just don't want to make, I just don't want to get drunk, right? Those two people will read the same passage and apply it differently, but have the same interpretation, right? Okay. I think that these two people can have some sort of, of unity because they agree on what the actual scripture says. Okay, that's one example. I'm going to give you three examples. You're okay. saying people put up their own fences is what I'm is what I'm hearing. You're saying sure. like they read it and they're like, hey, alcohol is bad, so I'm going to only partake X amount of – I'm only going to allow myself to have X amount. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? Correct. Got Correct. it. All right. There's one example of, of two people reading scripture – having the same interpretation, but applying it differently. Okay. I think these two people can get along quite well. Okay. Because they have the same interpretation of scripture, they're just applying it to their lives differently. Yeah. Now there's a second group of people, right? Second example. One person reads scripture and says, I believe that God's word is inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative on my life. And I also believe that God doesn't want me to get drunk. Right? That's one person. Okay. Second person says, I believe God's word is inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative on my life. But when I read scripture, I actually think I'm allowed to get drunk. Here's four verses why. (laughs) Now, I would argue very strongly that this second person is wrong. Yeah. Right? I think he's wrong. Absolutely wrong. I think his interpretation of the Bible passages are wrong. But... I'm actually pretty comfortable with him in his understanding of scripture because he is trying to obey God and he's just misunderstanding what God's saying. Do you right? really feel that he's obeying God or do you feel like he's looking for a loophole? Um, I think he could be looking for a loophole, but I also think that the interpretation of scripture is very, very difficult. And I don't think it's a sin to misinterpret scripture necessarily. I think the misinterpretation of scripture can be because of a sin, but I don't think it automatically is. So right? let me let me give you when you say that, I want to make sure you understand too what I process every time that you say that. Sin has two definitions in my mind based on scripture. Okay. The first definition is transgressing the law. Paul says yep. that yep. is transgressing the law is sin. Second yep. is and I think this is where God gets he gets the you know there's no there's no 
gray areas. It says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right. So I feel like there's only two definitions of sin. One, if you break the law of God, you got you got a, a mark on you. The next yep. is um, things that are a little bit more difficult and something that only God can judge on is... Sure. Okay? Yeah, so I would say this second person is sinning, right? His, his bad interpretation of Scripture is going to cause him to transgress the law of God. Correct. I believe that God says, don't get drunk, right? So this person needs a very specific type of teaching, right? He needs, hey, here's actually what Scripture says. Here's why your interpretation is wrong. Don't get me wrong. uh, Bad interpretation can be disastrous, right? I think there's two types, you can get to the same spot from two different roads, and one road is more teachable than the other road, right? Because there's a third person out there, right? That says, you know what? I don't really care what God's word says. I just want to get drunk. Right? <laughs> so, person, per, the, the second person that says, I care what God's word says, and I think he says it's okay to get drunk, is quite different from the other person that says, I don't care what God's word says. I'm just going to get drunk. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're both ultimately sinning, but one. I can say as a brother in Christ that I want to help teach. And the other one is like, uh, I'm probably going to separate from you. If you don't care what God says, yeah. um, we have huge problems, right? Yeah. This first person, I would welcome, you know, like I would do Bible study with this person. I would, you know, I want this person in my church. If he really believes that God's word is inspired, infallible and errant and authoritative on his life. And we just need to do some more teaching. This is great. This other person that's going to say, I don't really care what God's word says. That's not really someone that, you know, is, um, is is going to be part of our Christian community that we're building, right? Yeah. So I say all that to say this. When I read through the Old and New Testament and come to the conclusion that I'm coming to on the Lord's Day, and when you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament and come to the conclusion that you're coming to on the Sabbath day, I would say that one of us is wrong, right? The law of non-contradiction says... We can't both be right. We're saying opposite things. So, of course, we can't both be right. Right. But when I'm communicating with you, I'm not talking to someone that's like, you know what? I don't care what God's word says. This is what I think it says. And this is what I want to do. Right? You're giving me passage after passage after passage of justification for your for your position. I'm giving you passage after passage after passage of justification for my position. And we are both saying that we believe God's word is inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative on our lives. And Absolutely. because of that, we are going to follow it, right? So this is how, you know, I, I, was, I was talking to some friends, and they're like, really? You're doing a podcast with this guy? <laughs> and I would explain this. I'm like, look, we both have the same view of Scripture, and we're both doing our best to interpret it correctly. And he thinks I'm crazy on some of these things, and I think he's wacky on some of these things. <laughs> we are still traversing towards the same road and path on this, right? Um, and so, like, when, when, when you said last week, you know, if I reject the Sabbath day, then this is meaningless. I would say, well, maybe. If you reject the Sabbath day because I don't care what God says, I'm going to do what I want, then sure, no other parts of Scripture are binding. But if you say, I think that this is what God teaches about the Sabbath, I think Psalm 1 can absolutely positively still be relevant to your life. You might be right on this teaching, or you might be wrong on this teaching, but you can still be on this path where we're all growing together, trying to learn as much as we can about God, and as we learn as much as we can about God, 
we're going to change on some views, you know, across the way. The the Bible says, "Come, you know, Jesus says, come, let us reason together." And I feel like that's exactly what we're doing. I I think uh, very strongly that you hold scripture above you know your house is burning you get one book where you're gonna run out with your bible you know that's 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 i think both of us um i i only speak for myself when i say that passage has to be meaningless i don't say um how do i put this uh i don't look i don't look at you or anyone else for that matter that doesn't keep sabbath or any way that that i live in a a negative um way i i don't look at you with pity i don't look at you with um i i would i would say this not not with pity but but with this kind of it, it, this is not necessarily a uh something you'd answer on on air i guess but uh i pay tithe more than that but i can't explain to somebody that my 90 the 90% that god says you can keep is worth more than the 100%. I can't I can't tell you that more than just saying hey it's worked for me since I was, you know, 5, you know, I can't, I remember giving, you know, little quarters. So that is how I would say the sabbath is is it's it's something that is so good for us. Um I've, I've walked away from literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had another company that I, I know for a fact I can see dollar for dollar. I, I've lost, you know, several hundred thousand. Um, but there, it's different. It's, it's something, there's something different. I, 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 uh, I get to take that, that one day of rest, that one day of break. Um, people think that it's a, a, a yoke or a, a burden um, to keep the Sabbath, and, and I don't find that at all. Um, and so for me, it, it's not something that I look down or, or like have pity. I, you know, someone who's on drugs and they can't get off of it, you have a pity for them. You know, you have like this thing in your heart. Um, I think what we're doing, and we've talked about this from the very beginning, we're not doing this to change your mind or my mind. We're doing this to put ideas up against each other so that anybody listening can maybe maybe figure out something that they're work, working through you know so that that's definitely the purpose of this it's it's not i think if we went out to proselytize both of us that's not that we're not salesmen of this this is something that we have a passion about that we like to talk about um and i i feel like that's you know to tell your your friends but um they're going back to to the to the some of these thoughts um something something that i Again, I, I would have to I would have to kind of look at in a in a completely different way would be John fourteen fifteen and Jesus says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." First John two four. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So I feel like the uh uh what god and christ is saying here is we're supposed to follow his steps where if we're christians we're supposed to be like christ um you look in revelation and and fourteen twelve. it says here's the page this is when you we're adding a little bit of um 
we're adding a little bit of prophecy, so you know you have to you have to bear with me on this. But when you hear a woman in scripture, it's it's referencing a church. Okay, woman is a church. I could give you if examples, and and we'll I'm sure go through this in in our. Uh, future podcast, but it says, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Okay. Well, if you read in revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then you read revelation 19, 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said, see that thou do it not. I am a fellow servant. We talked about this, not worshiping angels. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. And then it, it defines earlier what, what it is to have the testimony. It says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the reason that I'm reading all that is if, if you have to take away all of the commandments, whether it be Mosaic and, and put them all together, then then those verses, in my opinion, can't have the weight as they do. Because again, you and I would agree in every single nine, the only one that we would disagree with is the, is the keeping the Sabbath. You, you totally agree with don't steal, don't commit adultery, love the Lord with all your heart, don't worship idols, you know, I don't see any Buddhas behind you or, or patron saints, you know, like, like you don't have any, any argument <clears throat> for any of the nine. Um, it's only the, it's only the, the, the one Sabbath. And, and I would completely agree with you that we are not held to keeping the festivals I believe in that reference that you're talking about, he's basically, Paul's saying, you know, hey, if you guys keep them, keep the festivals, you know, don't let anybody like disparage you, you know, keep it. That's great. You know, God, God's going to, you know, be okay with you uh, celebrating with, with your friend. You're not, you're not um, slaying any lambs. He, you know, he's not saying that, right? If you mention, if you, if you get the understanding, he's not saying, hey, go ahead and keep killing lambs on your festivals because that's what they would do you know some of the, and he's not saying that he's like hey if you guys want to get together and have your Hanukkah or whatever do it so that, that I guess those are my my things that um, in the end times I believe we probably are in agreement of that the dragon which we know is Satan is wroth with a church and the church that he is wroth with is the ones who keep the commandments of God and I, I feel like that's that's where we're at. I feel like we're at the very end of the uh, of time. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I, you know, a lot of what you said, I agree with. You know, if we love Jesus, we are supposed to keep His commandments. Um, I would ask which ones, right? You don't believe in all six hundred thirteen. No, because I don't believe that those are. I believe those are Mo- Moses's, and and also the six hundred thirteen. Are you only getting those? Just so I'm clear, and the other people on uh, that would be listening. Are you only getting those ones from the ones that Moses writes in, puts on the side of the um, ark, or are these? Because I know that. Um, for instance, you can't spit like Jewish people. You can't spit on Sabbath because that would cause a blade of grass to grow. Or you can't eat an egg that a chicken has laid on Sabbath because you cause that chicken to work. Like, are those the laws? So the, the six hundred and thirteen Mosaic laws, as written in the Torah. Is okay. What I'm okay. So, and, and again, I would argue that the Old Testament believer did not make a distinction between the 10, and the other 603. Now, 
the 10 were special in that the other 603, they were a foundation for the other 603. Um, but if, if an Old Testament believer broke number 603, it was just as bad as if he broke number four. Okay? There was the same consequences. Okay? Um, I agree with you. If we love God, we're supposed to keep his commandments. And I keep them. Right? I just do not believe that uh, the, the, the Sabbath day is a commandment that is part of the law of Christ. I believe in Colossians 2.16, we are released from Sabbath rule. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, has become our Sabbath rest. This is Hebrews 4, right? Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, has become our Sabbath rest. You see, the, the other nine commandments are all restated specifically and explicitly in the New Testament as part of the law in Christ, right? Uh, as part of the law of Christ. Which ones did you say? The other nine. All other nine. Um, so, so uh, you know, do not worship any other gods. We see this in 1 Corinthians 8, 6 and 1 Timothy 2, 5. Do not make idols. We see this in 1 John 5, 21. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. 1 Timothy 6, 1. We can go down and down and down. All nine of the Ten Commandments we see are restated in the New Testament as part of the law of Christ, sometimes in like these large lists of uh, fruits of the spirit slash lust of the flesh, right? Other times they're just mentioned, you know, Ephesians 4.28, do not steal is restated. But every time it talks about days in the New Testament, we are told that we are released from these. And like I said, Colossians 2.16 um, says, let no one pass judgment on you for questions of food and drink, or with, regard to, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. I believe that, and, and you see this played out by the, the early church, you know, James, the leader of the, of the church in Jerusalem, and, and Paul, who's writing all these letters, and um, we see this played out. This is why they're worshiping on Sunday. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just what I see. And, and so I, when, when Jesus says to keep his commandments, I do. And that, that doesn't include, for me, keeping the Sabbath day, but I am keeping things <clears throat> that are still, um, you know, binding on us for today. So, um, I'm going to hit on that and say that uh, I, I would call that a biblical myth that there is not been, um, that, that there's not a reference for um, the new, first off, Christ kept it, so we'll, we'll use that as a blanket, but not super good. Are you able to pull up like a... Um, uh, what's it called that you can like look at the old words uh, you want me to look at the Greek yes okay so Hebrews 4 9 um, the, while you're looking that up the one that is not explicitly repeated um, in the New Testament is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain that's the one that I found is not explicitly repeated um but Hebrews 4, 9, or you're looking up the um, concordance, that's the word I was looking for. It says, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And to me, uh, I believe that it says, it's, the word is sabbatismos, which means it remaineth. It remains. So, am I, am I did I get that on there right? Um, sabbatismos just means a Sabbath rest. Okay, so he's saying that there remains that rest. Correct. 
the rest and when you know so so yeah Hebrews 4 um, let's see Hebrews 4 I think that this is the definitive passage in the New Testament where where we can understand oh wait a minute you know this this is something new right yeah we, there, there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God right uh, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it right and you know we go through all of this um, you know verse 6 seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief again he limiteth a certain day saying in David today after so long a time as it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts for if Jesus had given them rest then would he not afterward have spoken of another day Therefore, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Yeah. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Yeah. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And so this is what, when we become co-laborers with God, when we become, when we, when we, when we um, enter into God's family, that's the rest but but it's that's the same that's the same thing though that's the same thing though for the old testament people though like like they they had to do the same thing they had to rest on that day like they had the same faith as what we were talking about like um when it talks about in the Old Testament, those people, God kept having to push them back because he's like, if you will turn your foot from defiling my Sabbath day, I will give you rest. And they wouldn't. They kept working and working and working. And he's like, no, you're not. Finally, he put them in captivity in uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. And that's when they started making up all of these rules about what to do on the Sabbath because they never wanted to go back into captivity. That, that's the issue. It's, you know, he, Hebrews 4.4, 4, before we just read what you just wrote, it says, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on the wise and God did rest on the seventh day from his works. Like he's, he's tying, he's like tying it all together. One other verse I have put down for the new Testament though, is Acts 16, 13. Let me see what, let's see what that says. Acts yeah, so real quick though. Yeah. So it was four, four. He spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Yes. That is the, that is the specific example we see in creation. How are you and I able to enter into that same rest? We have to believe, and then we have to, we have to, I feel like, do the works. I feel like there's, there's, you know, and it's not works is like keeping the commandments. Like that's, that's so small. It says, feed my sheep. Faith that works. Yes. Faith that works. Yes. Enter into his rest. It's a permanent rest though. It's not one that comes every seven days. But it's, it's it's one that we have to partake in. No, see, yeah, I, see, I disagree. I just think that this passage is saying you don't have to do that anymore. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying even as Christ, like you, you. That's why Paul says that he says he kept the faith. There are people who who don't keep the faith. Therefore, their names are going to be blotted out. That's that's what that's what I mean in that. But this this new Sabbath rest is permanent. When you become when you become a member of God's family, this new Sabbath rest is permanent. It's not every seven days. It's it's a permanent rest. God has been resting ever since He stopped creating in six days. Mm-mm. God did not create for six days, rest on the seventh, 
and then go back to creating on day 8, 9, 10, not, 12. Not creating, but he, he went back to ministry. And if you look, he's not, he's not resting right now. He's, he's our high priest. He's in the, the Holy of Holies do being being our high priest that's that paul says he you know we think not that we don't have a high priest so don't even think that we don't have somebody who's ministering for us okay so does christ work as our as our high priest six days a week i believe so so he doesn't so on the sabbath he's not working as our high priest for us i don't know that's that's so hypothetical i don't know about that i'd have to do research before i put that sorry <laughs> sure no so, so what i would say is it is God is still, um, God is doing a lot of different things. As a Calvinist, I believe that God is sovereignly ruling over all things, but he has not created. He has not, he stopped creating after the sixth day of creation. I, I could agree with that. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's nothing, uh, nothing so new God's, under the sun. So, so he, right. you're probably so right. Sabbath of rest in non-creation has been going on ever since the end of the sixth day of creation. And that is the Sabbath that we can enter into, and it is a permanent state, not a once a week thing. But did Christ, when he came to be a man, we got to cut almost because it's it's over an hour. When Christ came, I want to finish this because I think we're we're close enough to to getting this one done. Um, he worked six. First, he worked as a carpenter, but but then also his three and a half years of ministry. And, and I would go back to, it says, as his custom was. So, you know, even when he was ministering, he, he did that on the Sabbath. But then he rested when he, when he died. And I believe that, so, so maybe he actually does rest in heaven. Um, not, not because he's tired. You know, Isaiah is very clear. Our God doesn't slumber because he's tired. But if he did it in creation, he did it as a man here. Why wouldn't he do it in heaven? And if we're, I, feel, I believe we're going to do it. In, I believe we're going to do it in heaven. It says he he comes, you know. But um, no, now that I'm thinking through it, he's not resting because it says that the priests defile the Sabbath and they're they're kept blameless. So even the priests had to work on Sabbath. So he's working around the clock. Sure. That's what, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think we're I think we're in a good we're in a good spot to wrap this up next week. Um. So let's uh, let's kind of uh, you know table it here, okay. and I think we're in a great spot to kind of wrap things up next week. Give our you know just kind of summarize everything, um, and then next week we're going to um, give some practical applications about different ways that you keep the Sabbath and different ways that I honor the Lord's Day. Um, and then we can talk about like ways in which we have similarities there, ways in which we differ, and. Um, and uh, ways that we can, um, I think, continue sharing with our listeners that, like, we are having really fun, good conversations here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is great. I mean, seriously, not, it's so we're not fun. cutting off the line and cursing each other out. Like, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, bud. We'll talk to you uh, next week then. Sounds good. All right. Bye.